0: Welcome to episode 329 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, April 6th. The Detroit Tigers are 1-0. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Eno, How's it going, my man?
1: Francisco Rodriguez is at like 87 miles an hour, though.
0: Hey, man, why you got to rain on the old parade <laughs> there? That's all right. His changeup can get down to like 50, so he's still got a good 37-mile-an-hour split. Now, nah, it was rough. Listen. I mentioned this on Twitter. It's almost like the Tigers are a freaking closer cemetery. And the the point I was making, which was the response from most people, was like, why do you keep getting old closer closers? Well, no duh that's the joke I was making with like Valverde and Todd Jones and Jose. Uh, well, I already said Jose Valverde, Joe Nathan, and now K Rod. Here's the thing, though. I was doing that more for the gag of it because he did blow the save and it was tough, and we won, so I was in a little bit better mood. But he, it wasn't all that bad for, for K-Rod. You, know, you got a Baltimore chopper, the crazy Baltimore chopper that, that jumped over the third baseman's head. That was insane. I've never seen a ball like that. They mentioned this on the broadcast, too. You don't usually see that in Major League Parks. You see that more in like minor league parks or like Cape Cod, where the fields aren't that great. And then listen, credit to Derek Dietrich, an amazing piece of hitting there uh, from from Dietrich, a guy that I actually really like this year. It's tough seeing. I hate when you know somebody you really like uh, puts a knife in your team. But thankfully, my Tigers came back and won. They're one and zero. They're up two zero with two men on right now on Jose Fernandez. And so, you know, if they get off to a 2-0 start, we'll figure out the K-Rod thing in a minute. I'm not that worried about it. Let's talk about uh, one thing before we get to baseball. I heard you were dropping dimes on fools on the court today. What, what, what went down there?
1: I think I was a little more like, I so know. <laughs> I had a little bit of, a, I would say, like, late career Sam Perkins situation. <laughs> where I was just, I mean, the, the, kid, the kids did not treat me well last night again, and... I was just slow and felt overweight and just uh, you know out of shape. And that
0: sounds like late just, career Sam Perkins.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, at least I didn't look stoned out there. But I I I did hit some shots and you know it did occur to me that it kind of reminds me of why athletes are so sure that that clutch exists. Not that I think that I'm clutch, but I did hit the game winning shot and I did notice within myself that no matter how bad I'd looked or bad I'd felt. For most of the game, when it came to the last three points, I tried a lot harder, and it was better for my game. Like I did most of my shots and rebounds and stuff came in those in those you know clutch moments, quote unquote. But the reason that we needed that we would lost most of our games today was that I was missing all those shots and looking so crappy the rest of the time. So,
0: but you know what? You know, we're only going to remember that you went Bob Ory on that last shot, big shot, Bob. Yeah,
1: yeah, Bob Ory is a great one. But the problem was also that the last shot. I drove into the lane and, you know, was gonna try and make a one and just got obliterated <laughs> by my man Carlos. Oh my god, Carlos is huge. And he just he just stuffed that back in my face. And because he touched it, I, I continued the dribble and he wasn't actually guarding me, so he didn't he let me go. So I just went out to the three point line and hit the game winning three.
0: Hey so, that works. That you totally know, as works. As
1: long as it looked good at the very last moment, but it did not look good. For about 80% of the time today. Anyway. Can we get uh, one,
0: one other basketball thing? Did you catch the end of the game the other night, the championship game?
1: No, I was actually in the press box. At, oh, in, watching baseball. In Oakland, Perfect and, excuse. Uh, Don't
0: worry about it. It was I
1: have the, music on and I have the sound on. So I kind of saw some
0: stuff. It was unreal. It really was. I, I mentioned on Twitter that I didn't watch really any college basketball this year, save a couple of my Longhorns games, a little bit of the tournament here and there, but I did not sit down and really watch it. And my dad texted me, you know, with about... Mm three minutes left, you know, kind of what the score was, saying it was a good game. So I clicked it on and I did not regret it. What an amazing finish. UNC hits the miracle three with I think Marcus Page like falling and, and chucks it in. Uh so it ties up the game. Villanova,
1: oh, I did see that one actually. That was a nice three.
0: Yeah, and then Villanova says, you know what, we got four seconds left or something like that. We'll just run down and drain the game winning three. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I don't know how many buzzer beater title winners there have been. I remember the last one that almost was was butler's shot against duke uh that was a much more a difficult shot this one was just you know steph curry range which uh, is becoming the norm now so that's that's your basketball talk basketball mm-hmm. season is over for uh college so you know we won't go back to that and i don't think either of us follow the nba too much so it, it will stick we'll stick with enos basketball that'll be the primary hoops talk that you get on this podcast but i bet <laughs> i bet you're here for some baseball and we have some uh, first I want to mention, follow us on Twitter at Sporer, at, Eno Saris, at Jason Collette, please rate and review the podcast. We got 429. We are at a five star and we're greatly appreciative of that. Thank you guys so much for taking your time to do that. Let's start with the bad news. You know, I, I mentioned I'm in a good mood, but I'm still going to start with the bad news so we can finish on a high note. First things first, two DL moves. Andrew Heaney headed to the DL with a with a sore arm here. I'm getting the exact thing, a left flexor muscle strain. Is that or is that not the uh, one of those precursors for potential Tommy John, or, or do I have that wrong?
1: No, that's totally. I mean, the flexor muscle is the, the flexor bundle. That that bundle of muscles is something that protects your um, that your UC, UCL, and basically by the law of the chain, the, the, there's a chain of, uh, of movement that happens and it, it follows, follows up your arm basically. So if you have anything, you know, even the stuff in the hands can be bad and then that can go up to the flexor bundle, and it just sort of follows up to your elbow. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why people think that the rise of Tommy John has something to do with shoulder injuries. Shoulder injuries are down. And I think what we're catching, we're catching these injuries before they get all the way to the shoulder.
0: Ah, okay. That, that's that's a really interesting point. And part I part heard of
1: that. some people call the kinetic chain or whatever. But Yes, um,
0: I've heard uh, Doug Thorburn mention that a lot. He's obviously a mechanics guru, so that fits. And actually that makes a lot of intuitive sense as well. So DL for Heaney uh he wasn't great against the cubs i didn't see too much of it so i don't know if he pitched better than the line score i know he got a bloody nose which was which was problematic obviously it's completely unrelated to this but it's a bummer here the young lefty um you know going on the dl so quickly after one start he was kind of a linchpin for this this uh, Anaheim team if they were to do anything, at least as far as I saw it. I felt that they needed to get a big season out of him to really stabilize that rotation, give it a Garrett Richards, Andrew Heaney, one-two punch if they were going to have any real chance. Now, one guy alone does not make or break a team, um, except for maybe Trout with it, the way this team is constructed, but uh, this is a tough loss, right?
1: It is, it is. He's not, I don't think, an ace. No even as much as we as we might like him but you know a lefty with slightly above average velocity for a lefty cuz lefty's average lefty starters average about 90.5 so he's he's a little bit above a little little bit above average there got a really nice slider and the changeup is actually good by movement and you know i, I think uh, he's starting to trust it more so you know that's three pitches the sinker the slider and the change that that really could could work for him I don't know that he would ever strike out a batter per inning, but you know, seven per nine with some weak contact, with some low homers per nine in that nice stadium. You know, forty-five percent ground ball rate at least. I think that, you know he he would have been a guy um, that would have been on most rosters. You know, I, on I most, most team rosters for the for the season. And uh, unfortunately, you know what though, I'm uh, he's a good in terms of repeating his mechanics and stuff. He's decent. And, I, and unders- I
0: undersold Heaney's debut outing there. Again, I didn't see a whole lot of it, so I did a little bit too much. He
1: left some stuff up a little bit. Yeah, he yeah. Le- ma-
0: made he, some mistakes against a very tough Cubs lineup.
1: Strikeouts, you know, he, he, he did some good stuff, but he did – some of his stuff was a little bit soft, and anything that was a little bit soft got got, got whooped. So that I think, you know, a uh, it's not necessarily Babbitt, but the home runs. Giving up three home runs in six innings like that is a little bit much for him. That might have, you know, had something to do with the fact that he's hurting, but in general, I think he's a definitely he's a decent guy for repeating his mechanics. Throw throws across his body a little bit, but they worked on him to throw you know more towards the the plate. Is one thing that he told me.
0: Okay, so, so that I think we'll...
1: that's you know, and if you look at his his pitcher injury factors, which I always do, he didn't really have anything that stood out. So I think um, you know maybe maybe this will be just a fifteen or or, or thirty day uh, trip. But it does also have a little bit of a, a silver lining for us because there's a guy that we like coming up behind him. I think.
0: Oh, who's that?
1: Nicholas Tropiano.
0: Oh yeah, duh! I'm an idiot. I was like, I didn't put anybody on the list here. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Tropiano. That that, like you said, silver lining here. We're Probably
1: now... the next guy in line. Yeah, I mean, should be, be C J Wilson if he's healthy uh, at some point. But, but yeah, he
0: uh... he seemed to be the one. Tropiano seemed to be the one who lost out. To Matt Shoemaker, and so now obviously there's there's a spot for both of them. Yeah, that's a great point. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was so focused on Heaney going to the DL, but yeah, if he's the one who's called up Tropiano, then we're both definitely we've we've definitely uh, extolled the virtues of Tropiano on this very podcast. So even if it's the spot start, I would take a shot on it because you know you can get two or three spot starts in a uh, in a 15 day DL stint. So even if it's a short stint for Heaney, I think Tropiano can benefit. I would definitely take a shot on him 15 team mixed maybe some some 12 teamers with a thicker reserve roster um but yeah I'm watching the Tigers here just rake nice freaking shot salty is the revenge game of the, of oh the, and the worst
1: part is that the Marlins are are paying salty for that so.
0: <laughs> they pay, they're paying him to beat their faces and he threw D Gordon out, which is amazing a bomb uh, off of Fernandez and then a ringing double off the wall that if the wall was like three feet lower was his second bomb of the day, so he is just murking them and that's but that. if,
1: if 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 people want to know where Tropiano sits in the world, I would say that he sits slightly higher than Matt shoemaker, yes. probably in the eighties somewhere because he does have a little bit of that Matt Shoemaker bad fastball home run risk. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily quite as bad as Shoemaker, but 91.2 last year, and I don't think he was up in spring, 91 from a right-hander is actually below average. You know, we talked about 90.5 for lefties, it's been 91.5 for righties. So okay. he's right there with an averageish fastball fastball that hasn't really done that well in the past. 5% whiffs, a little bit slightly below average for 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 whiffs, but... The change, and he might. I think he has two change ups. So uh, they get around twenty percent whiffs combined, and then a slider that gets twenty percent whiffs means that he's got two secondary pitches. A little bit like a Chase Whitley with a slightly more uh, velocity. You know, and we saw guys, some
0: success out of Whitley before his TJ.
1: Yeah, Adam Warren. These are these are guys that you know uh, don't have a standout fastball, but have good secondary stuff. And if they can show just enough command to stay away from homers with the fastballs and get into good counts. To throw that secondary stuff, they can be really good. So, I mean, Tropiano does have the chance to be like a 3 5 ERA guy with a strikeout per inning. I mean, he had strikeout per inning last year, 11.5% swing strike rate. A lot of stuff that's good there. Good track record of walk rates, not necessarily uh, command because he did have home run, high home run rates in the minors. So. Yeah,
0: he's got to get to that secondary stuff. That's kind of key for Tropiano yeah. because the fastball is not going to be his winner. Uh, so, I would,
1: I would watch his walks and uh, and his home runs. And, okay. You know, me, at very least, uh, DFS and, and, and daily streaming sort of situation at home, Seattle, that sort of deal might protect him in, in Texas and stuff like that. But um, definitely in a better situation today than he was yesterday.
0: The other the other DL is probably a bigger, or no, it's 100% a bigger move because this is an all-formats player and he's relied on for one very special thing that you now have to go out and replace, and I'm one of those people, so I'm pretty angry about this one. Ben Revere is going to go to the DL. Came out of that game early with, I believe, an oblique, and that, that very same oblique is going to send him to the DL. I don't know if it's a situation where they think, um, you know, they it makes it easier for them to kind of do this uh, because they have Michael Taylor behind him. But they're saying it's going to be like a three- to four-week situation, so we're not even going to get off with the uh, with the two-weeker here for Revere. It's looking like a month, which is a huge bummer, again, because when you draft a guy like that, you really kind of build your steals around him. And this is why a lot of folks don't like these rabbits, because if they're out, it's such a bigger hit to your steals total. I usually don't. I took a different path. I figure in my NL only here, I'm like, I'm not winning with the strategy that I've been taking. Let's mix it up a little bit. And I go and get somebody like a Revere because I want to get those 35 steals. And this happens. And obviously he could still get 35 in five months because he's that good. But I'm pretty pissed about this. Where do you stand with Ben Revere now?
1: Got that 20 team high rollers league that I, that I joined with Tom Trudeau that drafted for seven hours. And got him in there. Well, no, we got Billy Hamilton and Giancarlo oh, okay. Stanton. Okay, which is just a funny ass pairing, I think, because oh, it's, it's like, I love it. We've got the big guy for the homers. We got the little guy for the steals. <laughs> exactly, <laughs>
0: exactly. It, it, people love, you know. That's this is one. Um,
1: Either goes down. We're in poop. <laughs> it, it was
0: a situation where uh, Chris Carter and Ben Revere were the were a version of this, a cheaper version of this last year. Yeah. you went yeah, for exactly. the more expensive version of it, but obviously the higher upside too.
1: What do people do? I mean. Uh, you know, Michael Taylor is an interesting guy for Ben Revere guys. He's going to steal some bases, but he's not, I wouldn't say a rabbit. I mean, he did steal 51 in, in, 2013. He is a fast guy, Yeah, but
0: he doesn't do that in the majors. Like that's not his only part of his game.
1: And so they right, and don't they're not gonna install him in the same parts in the lineup. Oh, I mean, just the, check the guy that. The...
0: Yes, they are. Um, they because are. Dusty Baker is just like <laughs> his buddy, Jim Leland, who, Uh, And and there's even a quote.
1: Must be a top of lineup. Colette (laughs) sent
0: it to me. Hang on. Let me get it. Let me get it here. Baker prefers to leave other hitters where they are as they're getting used to the particular spots in the order. So if you're replacing (laughs) someone, you're coming in at his spot. I don't care if it's like uh, Clint Robinson. Oh, you're going to replace Bryce Harper for this day? Well, I guess we'll bat you third because – you got because you're, you're replacing Bryce Harper. Jim Leland was criminal about this because he would give Don Kelly the start, and Miggy would be the one getting the day off, and then Don Kelly's batting third and fourth. Yeah, yeah it was so that. insane <laughs> at least Michael Taylor has batted first he batted first a bunch last year you can at least understand it but oh my goodness it drives me nuts when it's the the Scribini guy the number 25 guy on the roster is replacing your stud for the day and he just goes ahead and bats in his order so you will get the top of the order love with Michael Taylor at least for now
1: oh my god I thought Pilar just pulled a uh it almost looked like Pulaj just pulled a Jose Canseco, where the ball bounced off of him in to a homer. But uh, oh, you
0: saw the, you're looking at the highlight from earlier. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah heard I heard about that
1: t- one. The top, of, it was the top of the wall. We're actually going okay, to talk so, about
0: uh, that homer. That was Steven Souza. Susan. We're going to get to him in a moment. We're going to talk some standouts individually, and then I'm going to ask you kind of how you address some of these standouts. But we got one more bit of news. And it's, well,
1: no, yeah, we, we got to react to the Ben Revere thing. I mean, we got to help people find something. I think you know Jared Dyson is expected to go out and rehab. Uh, at the end of their current homestand, he did
0: something today. Yeah, he took BP today. Jared Dyson took BP on Wednesday.
1: So you could just jump ahead in the in the oblique cycle. <laughs> exactly,
0: that's a good point. Jared
1: Dyson, and he's like, I mean, you know, they're both playing. And Jared Dyson is is about the same as Ben Revere. So if that's in a situation. Roger. Billy Burns is not playing every day. And it's just because, the I think I think it's just because the Athletics don't play every day. But it's weird that he didn't start against the lefty because he is a naturally right-handed person. And it's, when he got to the Athletics, they actually asked him to stop switch hitting. Oh,
0: interesting.
1: So, you know, it's really weird they didn't play him against the lefty. But Coco Crisp, you know, tried to get him in there. They scored some runs. But, I, I don't know, if somebody dropped Billy Burns and you're in a daily lineup league, I, I could see, you know, playing with that. Well, he's, uh,
0: got he, he's at 83% owned right now. So, Billy Burns, I think folks are going to kind of stick with him. I'm looking more at like a Rajay Davis who is going to get playing time. We've talked Millar. about that's Cleveland outfield. Who else?
1: Jonathan Villars playing oh, yeah. most.
0: Let me, let me pull up his ownership Every day. numbers. And I usually look at ESPN. Pretty
1: much their shortstop right now. So
0: yeah, absolutely. I usually look at ESPN. Those are the they they're on the small end of of leagues. They they cater to ten teamers. So um, when I first look there and I see Velar at seventeen percent, you can assume that he'll be a little bit more in Yahoo, and then probably a lot more in CBS. And it's because of the 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 leagues that each site caters to.
1: And you know why? Probably CBS CBS is really good for customization, exactly stats, and for super deepness. I mean the the league that i'm in the other league i'm in with trudeau is called devil's rejects that's the one that we're in together 20 teams um 20 keepers they got everybody you can, listed you can own your son if you like <laughs> so uh um, we actually picked know, up drake, but,
0: drake LaRoche just in case
1: how about anthony goes
0: okay that's another good one he started to run early last
1: year is he starting every day uh
0: the, yeah because um mabens mabens rehabbing.
1: yeah
0: so, let me, so Anthony
1: goes, you could just you try, try to get lucky for a little bit. Yeah, he'll
0: be widely available. He's 1% at ESPN. So even CBS, he's probably maybe 10 15%. So that's going to be widely available. Rajay Davis, VR, Burns. But if,
1: Davis has kind of slowed down recently. It's the only reason that I don't jump on that one right away. I wonder, I, mean, he's just, I wonder if
0: it's because he, he's getting full of himself on the power. He's got eight bombs each of the last two years and three of the last four. <laughs> so maybe he thinks he's a power hitter all of a sudden. Yeah, only 18 SBs last year, to your point.
1: Yeah. That's and not I, so hot. I, right now I'm, at the proje- I'm on the projected stolen bases. That's where I'm sort of just scanning. Oh, okay, the, okay. And the projected – right now, by 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 recommending Anthony goes, I'm already down to a guy who's projected for 18 stolen bases. Gross. Rajai <laughs> Davis, 19. Jonathan Villar, 20. And I think projections, you know, that's one thing. They're not perfect, but they're a good way to remember... What you were like three days ago? Exactly,
0: exactly. Before we started this, no, no, no. That's a great point, and we're gonna probably reference projections.
1: Don't forget Trevor's story. Don't forget what you thought of Trevor's story three days ago. Exactly.
0: And let's let's. Uh, I, no, we can't use that as transition because we do have one more piece of bad news. So we gave you a handful of guys that kind of run the gamut. If you're in a super shallow league, there's a small chance that Billy Burns is available. I would put him at the top of my list. Um, and it, well, actually, I'd put Taylor at the top. I'll just go ahead and take the replacement, even though he's. Not as much of a stolen base guy. I really liked Taylor coming into the year. So I would go Taylor first, personally. Um, Burns, if he's available, he's going to not be that available. And then VR, Ghost, Davis. Rank him. Or did I just do it for you?
1: VR, Ghost. Rajay. You know what? Ghost strikes out a little bit less than VR. Well... It's kind of up in the air right now because VR did make a, a step forward. That and story. we are
0: looking at a month, a months time. And so if Maven's back, then Ghost is a platoon guy.
1: That's true uh, on and the other side, side, but base, still. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the projections have VR down for 320, but I guess they think that Oswaldo Arce, no uh, Orlando Arcia, can come take that job. And I think there's another shortstop eligible guy on that team. So. Um, can't think of it right now but anyway i
0: can't think of who, who you might be thinking of as well
1: but anyway i'm sure people I, are
0: know, shouting it at I, I, their phone right now yeah right
1: i no, but i think it's arcia in, in, in like not wanting to give vr like the the full um the full years i mean that makes a lot of sense I mean, he has a lot of risk Gadiel
0: rivera might be who you were thinking of he's a
1: utility and, um, guy not
0: very good, though. No, no, no. Uh, VR is going to have that job until Arcia. You know, the minor league season hasn't even started yet, so I wouldn't get yeah. too concerned on Arcia just yet. we got to see what he does. But you know you're only looking for short-term with VR I, right, anyway.
1: Right. That's why he's the best one. He's going to start every day until July. Even if Arcia comes and rips it up, they're not going to call him up before July. So, uh, yeah, I think VR goes. That's That's the way to go.
0: Now, this next story... Nothing's happened on it yet. It's not 100% actionable because it's only one implosion. But this was a guy that you were worried about all offseason and and you were speculating on his replacements. Sean Tolleson got his face caved in today. That was a mm-hmm. brutal one. When you don't even get the out, you don't even get a single out, you give up five runs on five hits, that's one that you're working off, uh, that your fantasy team is going to be working off for a while. You got to get a handful of good starts. You got to get a bunch of clean saves to really work the, the the five earned runs, five hits with no outs, and that's what he did today. As Robinson Cano blasted his uh, second of two homers off of him, just a rough, rough day for him. It was actually a homer, a double, and three singles. I don't know what order. I just know that those uh, those were the hits. So this was a guy that you were worried about. He had a, he was dealing with a back. Um, and I think the guy that you've, you've been pumping from the jump, is probably the right play because you've taught me how to, you know, look better at, uh, at bullpen placement and Keone Kahlo was the first one to come in after, uh, Colby Lewis today. He started the seventh. Jake Diekman came in for one guy. Uh, I think it was Cano. Don't quote me on that. It was definitely a lefty, and he walked him. And then Dyson came in to clean that up and, and do the eighth, and then Tolleson came in and blew it. So Sam Dyson's been a guy that you've been pumping now for a while. They went to him in the playoffs when they didn't really trust Tolleson. How, what kind of leash do you think we're going to see with Sean Tolleson here?
1: Well, I mean, you know, going into the season, they said they were going to mix and match. So that, that suggests to me that the leash is very short. Okay. They, they want to be a competitive team. Keona Kayla was not good today. As well. He got yanked in the seventh.
0: Yeah, three, three base was, runners.
1: Yeah, the only one who was any good today was Dyson. And even he was down a little bit. People were saying he was 92, 93, but I found five 94s on Gamecast. So and I 12 think 12
0: pitches for four outs is pretty prime, even with the I, walk that's, mixed and
1: in. And that's totally Dyson esque in that he's got that bowling ball sinker. And, you know, uh, if five of them were 94, then he was sitting 94. Um and so anyway, I think uh, Dyson was uh, was did good today. The weird thing is that Tolson averaged ninety four in his fastball today. He just doesn't have any horizontal break at all. It's all vertical stuff, and he didn't get a single whiff. Oof. And that's just a weird combination. If you throw thirteen pitches and you're a closer, you don't get a single whiff. That's not a good sign. You normally see some other stuff like the velocity is down or, you know, something like that. The velocity was not down, but maybe just the command is off. Maybe he's, you know, I did talk to Kendall Graveman about this just the other day. I said, weren't you up in spring training with velocity wise? And he said, yeah. And I said, isn't that weird for command, especially when you got all that bendy stuff? He said, yeah, you got to sort of retrain. You got to figure out where to throw it. So, you know, maybe it's a small time thing and, and he figures out where to throw things again because, you know, he's just at a higher velocity. Maybe his back is hurting, and that's that's you know that's coming back. You know that that's a big deal.
0: Backs are the worst. So, we talk about it all the time on this show because, like I said, I deal with it being a writer, I cannot even imagine dealing with it doing something athletic it 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 kills me whenever I hear a guy dealing with a back, I'm like, "dang that's brutal because there are days where I feel like I can't do anything, and all I do is sit at a chair and tell you guys um, how to do awesome baseball, <laughs> I've baseball heard
1: stuff from some back sufferers that. That um, <clears throat> that sometimes sitting is the worst thing to do. Absolutely,
0: hundred so. percent. A lot of times I play, uh, you know, I talk about how often I play MLB The Show. Sometimes I just play it standing up because it's just yeah, it's just more comfortable.
1: Standing desk, but, um, I have one. Oh, there and you it's go. It's great, oh.
0: but uh, I I'm, my body's just breaking down hard. at thirty four. It's hard to stand all day. That's the problem. So yeah, I got to kind of go back it. and forth.
1: Well, anyway, Dyson got four outs, which is uh, four more than Tolleson got. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, was brutal, and, man. And, 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 you know, not for nothing, you know, I, I, see all the beat writers tweeting about this, about, you know, the bullpen is a mess and you know, all the questions tonight are going to be, you know, to, to, to Jeff Bannister are going to be, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with the bullpen? What are you going to do with the bullpen? And I think it's going to be very easy for him to say, look, I'm, I said from the beginning that I didn't, that I was going to mix and match. Exactly. You know, so I'm not going to so, change that. I think that is going to actually move the needle a little bit to, you know, open bullpen situations. So, you know, I think uh, I did finally get in with the uh, bullpen report guys tonight. And, uh, and they said something about, um, you know, people have been asking for Dyson to be moved up. And I said, yeah, people like me.
0: I, I think you're <laughs> starting fake email accounts. Uh, yeah. You know, just
1: <laughs> guys.
0: B- Bino Caris <laughs> is emailing in. Hey guys, um, just kind of looking over the latest report. Just wondering if maybe you should put uh, Sean Tolleson in every single time.
1: They do. I don't. I, they do a really good job. And let's look at the red. The Reds. We got Aron Vescaino, Jason Grilly They. That's pretty red. I think Jason Grilly is still an own. I don't know how to honestly how to rank it over Sam Dyson. Um. I like Sam Dyson as a younger pitcher, you know, a little bit better. Uh, but that hasn't been proven in the numbers to be like a, an important thing. So, um, you know, I don't know. Vizcaino you know, has, you know, more velocity and strikeout upside than Grilly. So I guess I would say I'd take Dyson because I, I'm a little bit more worried about Tolson. I'd take Dyson over Dalier Hinojosa.
0: Yes. That's the guy and out, out in Mandis Philly trying to get things done. The, the,
1: the red situation. Yeah, so that's I, I ugly. That's, uh, I think I would take – would I take – would you take Dyson over Alex Colomay?
0: I think I would because I think it's a situation – and I think you've probably sold me on Dyson here. Not that I haven't also watched and seen his greatness. But the thing of it is I think there's a chance that if he gets the job, he could just hold it. You know, when you when you say that you're going to do the, uh, the committee thing, it's because you don't feel like you have one. Like when a football team is like, you know, we got three quarterbacks and we're going to see which one. That means you don't have a quarterback. If you got three, you ain't got one. That's something my dad taught me when I was very young. And I think that's the case with uh, with, with closers, too, sometimes. Obviously, there are situations, you know, the Yankees have three, uh, and that they're all three could do it. But I think it, in, in this case, we could see Dyson steal it. So I'd take him over Colomé, who's, you uh, know, got what, a tenuous hold on it.
1: What the heck is Tampa? Tampa's just, you know, Tampa's like the, uh, the Mike Shanahan of. Of that's a great you know, call with
0: the running backs
1: today. They what did they do today? They they had a five three lead with Erasmo in. Erasmo got the win because he pitched when they when they scored to go ahead and they just
0: let him. So
1: they just left him in. Yep. Erasmo Ramirez got the win and the save. You know we, what?
0: Um, you, you know it's a huge <laughs> bummer, and I, I I guarantee that nobody wants to hear me complain about my teams, but I also guarantee that that's specifically why I'm going to do it. I didn't start. Erasmus Ramirez, or Shane Green in the league because they're not starting this week. And so why would I do that? And <laughs> what did lost. I miss? A win yeah, and a save.
1: Yeah. This is
0: such a bummer.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, so let's, let's, is, let's move on. Dyson looks like uh, one of the best pickups. I mean, if Jeffers is gone and Gregerson is gone, which they probably are, then, and Vizcaino is gone, then Dyson is the, the pickup of the day.
0: Absolutely, I totally agree there. Really,
1: should have been on your team from the beginning because we've been talking about it.
0: Listen, if you don't know about Sam Dyson, you have not been listening to this podcast. We even influenced (laughs) Jason to drop a two spot on him in um, in AL Tout, and he's going to benefit from it because he lost Giles. Let's let's move on now to some standouts. We got four guys big standouts right now. They're getting all the headlines, three on the offense, one big pitcher last night. And I want to talk about them individually, get some thoughts on how you're approaching them. And then we're going to finish with the strategy section on how to approach these types of guys um, at large. You know, when they're on your team, when they're on other teams, and when they're on the wire. And I mentioned one of them is a star player. You'll, you'll, you'll understand when I to when when get to him. But the other three are more late round or free agent pickup types, so they're much tougher to deal with. Obviously, with the star player, you just kind of enjoy it and keep going. And actually, I'll just cut to the chase with that. It's Robinson Cano, so we'll go with him first. Uh, he's out of his mind right now. I mentioned that his second of two homers was uh, was part of the, the tallest in demolition. He looks great. I don't know why everyone is so surprised about it because he closed the season so brilliantly last year. Um, he was very clearly up there with, with Altuve and and Gordon um, as the top three second baseman for sure. Now I don't, I'm not invested in him because I don't have, um, I, I wanted to wait at second base. I thought it was a position where you could really wait. So if I didn't get Altuve, I just waited, but I fully believe that Cano was going to have a good year. Obviously he's off to a, a red hot start. What do you think of what we've seen out of the 33-year-old Cano so far?
1: You know, it is, it is weird, in, in particular because well, now he's banked four homers, right? Yep. How many do you think he like is going to hit all year? I mean, so if, he, if he hits, I mean, he's projected even by the fans, who are usually pretty aggressive, to, to hit 21. So you're only going to get another you know 17 home runs, which is what the depth chart projected for anyway. Sure. So, sure. You know, uh, it is an, an interesting thing about you know banked value yeah and...
0: do do you do you expand the projection now or do you just say no no we, like like you were saying earlier at the outset here no no we still got to look back at the projections and not necessarily just alter everything because you know you can't assume that you're going to oh now i'm going to get um, all, all these um, all these extra homers for him. You don't necessarily want to expand the projection out and say that Cano is now a 35-homer guy. First off, we've never seen that from him. I think his high is, what, 33. But mm. how do you balance between maybe I should expand the projection to 27, something he did his last year in New York, so just three years ago, 2013, against, no, no, I agree with the projection coming into the year that was around 25, uh, or 21, you said, and so I'm only going to get 17 more. But does that mean you necessarily have to move from him? What 17 with a 300 average the rest of the year? What's wrong with that from Cano?
1: Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with it. Just I think in terms of if you want to acquire him or not.
0: Yeah. Right? Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, someone asking me about if they should trade Todd Frazier for him, and you know, I think uh, they they in particular had a, a bunch of third baseman. I said I think maybe you should do it because. You know, given the fact that your team situation is in the situation, you know, if they if 2014 didn't exist, I'd have a lot easier time saying go go go, everything's good. Mm-hmm. He had problem last year. He had he was playing through
0: the GI a, issue, yeah, gastrointestinal issue.
1: He had didn't he have hernia surgery or something? Uh, yeah,
0: so the, the, I think the two were kind of interrelated there. Um,
1: yeah, so. That's, that's that's the classic thing where possibly his slugging percentage numbers were depressed by injury and things he were dealing with and so therefore you could push his projections a little bit more aggressive the problem is that i don't remember this being you know happening in 2014 and well, he maybe that was just a bad year and just yeah maybe it was just a bad year i guess yeah. i mean he, he definitely i think he probably overreacted to the new stadium he hit 52.6 but he hit a, a, a career high in ground ball rate you know, complete reversal from the year before in, in Yankee stadium. So
0: maybe we just got to give a, a a better adjustment for a year, an, an adjustment year for guys. And it's, it's part of what I do with pitchers. And I don't like to get the guys uh, the first year in their new situation off a of big deal, like David Price, like a Zach Greinke. Now I did break the rule with, with, with Wei-Yin Chen. Obviously he got knocked around by my Tigers last night, but um, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule. But maybe we just need to, I'm sure, obviously, I'm, I'm certain it's been studied, but I don't know if it's uh, been updated or, or, or what it looks like. But guys in that first year, when they're switching parks, what's it look like? I mean, I'm sure some guys get better if they're going to a better park, but what about when you're going to, to a worse one? Do you need the year to kind of adjust? Try this one out for size as well. You know, 43 games into the season. Cano had a 6.24 OPS. It was brutal. 2.47 average. Andy Van Slyke was probably talking crap on him every single day to his face, and not just on the radio. But over his last 113 games of 488 plate appearances, he popped 20 bombs, which is a 30 home run pace. So, is there? Do you put anything into that? Like, okay, we saw two thirds of a season of a 30 homer pace. And now we're seeing him come out of the gates firing. Does that encourage you at all to bump the projection up to even like 26, 27, or if not, all the way up to thirty? Or is that is that just playing with the numbers a little bit too favorably?
1: It's still Seattle. It's still you know going to be relatively cold. Seattle,
0: Oakland. Um, you know, you got two parks, and LA. You got three parks in that division where you play most of your games that can, that can sting you for uh, for homers. I'm
1: willing to, I'm willing to give him like twenty four. Okay. That would be, you know, earlier, earlier career, you know, Yankee stadium. It's still coming off a peak, uh, but it's a, a nice little rebound year. I mean, people got, you know, 33 is off his peak, but people have rebound years later in their career. And, you know, there's a general trajectory towards, towards the bottom, but that doesn't mean that every year is, is gets a little bit worse. You exactly. know? So I think, exactly. I think he could have a year, especially with that banked, he's got four in the bank. I mean, I think he'd hit another 20, yeah. I mean, the projections say he can hit 17 or 18, and I'm saying he's a little bit healthier. He's going to start the year feeling good, and maybe the Mariners win some games. So Okay. Yeah, it's a, He is a little bit of a guy that these sort of things might matter. You know what I mean? He's a, an emotional guy.
0: Well, now let's get into the guys who are a lot more question marks around because— like you said, we got to remember what we thought about them five days ago before the season started and and this this big run doesn't necessarily change anything This could just be a good accumulation of their stats right off the bat and Obviously, the first one we're going to start with is probably the one that everybody's expecting, and that's Trevor Story, who is just out of his flipping mind right now and he's not even in Coors yet that's the that's the crazy part he's doing this in Arizona and I know Arizona is a good park but he's also doing it against Zach Greinke Shelby Miller and Patrick Corbin and I know some of you don't really care much for Shelby Miller but I still think he's a damn good pitcher Uh, and yet Story's got four bombs on the year He he had his fourth today off Patrick Corbin 286 average. So it's, it's not that he's hitting everything. It's just when he hits it, it's going a long way. Some of them have been monster shots out of these four bombs here. What do we make of uh, of Trevor's story right now? Shortstop for Colorado. Obviously, looks like he has some pretty good runway with the job. I mentioned didn't even hasn't even gotten to Coors yet. That's the reason to kind of have him. But where do you stand?
1: Came into the day with a 900 ISO. Is that good? That's pretty good. Okay. And. Hit a home run and left the day with a lower ice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he went
0: uh, 0 for 3 on his other three point appearances.
1: No, I think what's more important is he had two strikeouts today. And that for the season already has him up to 29% and or 28.6. And that's exactly in the range of his projections. So, you know, given even if you give him a, a, a a slugging boost based on the fact that he the slugging looks like it's carrying over. He had 227 ISO in AAA, 242 ISO in AAA, gonna play in Colorado. You know, even if you give him a better ISO than projected, because depth charts 183, steamer 169, zips 197. Let's say you push that all the way to 200, 200 210. If he strikes out 29% of the time, he's still only gonna hit 240. Yep. You know, 250 and- maybe.
0: We've we've kind of we've talked about some of these guys who've got these huge strikeout rates that you know, and they they can get so cold too. You could when when you strike out that much, when you don't put the ball bat to ball as frequently as or as infrequently as these guys do you can get these huge cold streaks it's it's a kind of the reason that I was a little bit down on Kyle Schwarber um it's the reason that folks are down on Jack Peterson which I get the reason I still stayed in on him is because I think he'll balance out some of that with some speed this year but uh, Miguel Sano is another guy obviously that we've seen. So. And obviously, um, all three of those guys, I would say, even Peterson, have more raw power than Story. So I'm not making the direct comparison. I don't want anybody to necessarily think that. But I'm saying with the strikeout rate, when you swing and miss that much, that's that's the scary part is that you can just get so cold, you get totally wrecked, and that's the big concern with Story. I don't think anybody questions that he could put up numbers.
1: And he hasn't uh, attempted a stolen base yet, which is, is relevant because he does walk enough and is projected to walk enough, he hasn't walked yet, but he does. He is projected to walk enough where even if he was going cold, maybe he could steal a couple bases, mm-hmm. uh, score some runs. But if he's not going to walk at all and he hasn't walked yet, and let's say our walk our walk projections are aggressive and he's a bad, aggressive sort of, you know, I'm not saying Nolan Arenado is bad, but let's say his, his sort of play discipline looks, you know, his, in terms of walks looks a little bit like Nolan Arenado. He's not going to get on base a lot to score runs. He's not going to, you know, steal a lot of bases. And then he's going to be a guy that, in a full season, could hit 240 or 25 homers and nothing else. Um, you know, 20, 25. You know, what? Uh, who is that like? I mean, that's. Uh, well, it's, it's 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 hard to, to to figure that one out. But in any case, it has value. What
0: do you What do you think of this mostly. comp? Derek Van Riper has been thrown around this comp from RotoWire saying that he um, has some Marcus Simeon, but in Coors to his game there. Maybe a little bit more strikeouts, but also balanced out by Coors. So maybe the average could be, you know, a little bit higher than than even Simeon's 257 last year. What do you make of, of that comparison?
1: Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. The course factor is interesting, but it is factored into the projections because the two forty projections have a 320, 325 Babbitt. So Okay,
0: yeah. So that that makes you know, it. Maybe already, it's um maybe it's pushing
1: it. No, but I think Simeon is is not bad. That's sort of where I would think about him too, in sort of 10, 8 to twelve, you know, the back end of the of the shortstop rankings. The problem is that Simeon probably has the job all year and we haven't said Jose Reyes' name yet. I have to say it because you know, i I know what he did was Probably bad. I don't know what he, no, I mean, he it this way. I know what he probably did was bad. Yes. And uh, that he should get punished for it. I don't I have a feeling that the oldest Chapman punishment is going to, you know, factor in here and it's going to be important.
0: Well, it has to. I mean, it, it, it's it going to the only it, press
1: it, that we have. Really.
0: Exactly. And so I can see it's, him getting more because, it, you know, it, it had gone to trial. And, and was, yeah, and was ready was to progress in further at
1: some point yes
0: so but what are we talking then 45 games 50 right
1: no matter what there's still like a half a season at so, least at you least know, at least on the back end of that where the rockies are going to be like well what do we do with this asset and the only thing they can do with the asset is play it in order to trade it you know you're not going to not play a guy at all and then trade you can't they're going to trade him on suspension i mean they they sort of did that with Robles Chapman. Well, because the,
0: the season wasn't going, though.
1: Yeah, it's an offseason. I think it's a different situation. I mean, it's more you're more talking about in season. I think people want to see him make sure he's healthy, mm-hmm. you know, get their scouts to look at him, look mm-hmm. at what his exit velocity looks like, get a couple, you know, a couple points of date on him and uh, and make a decision on him that way. And they're probably teams also put some time in between him so they can say if they acquire him, well, he did the time you know, he's sorry about things and we need a shortstop and we're competitive, you know? Yeah. And I mean, there'll be somebody see,
0: that wants him. I mean, like that's...
1: even the Mets, man, you know, take the guy home, say he was, he's, he was a, he was a prime citizen when he was here. All of you fans remember him fondly as Drupal Cabrera. is either gone in the tank or is hurt. Wilmer Flores is not a good shortstop. The team is doing well. We need a shortstop. We're going to send them a couple low a arms and they're going to get rid of the contract and, Maybe they'll pay a little bit to make it easier for us. I think that that's not even the most impossible thing that.
0: I've No, that's that's high on 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 plausible lists yeah, in so, terms of scenarios playing out. Like but you said, in though. In
1: the meantime, your 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 Trevor story isn't playing daily, and if you you locked yourself into him as a starter because you totally believed, or you you acquired him because you totally believed, and you got him starting, then you're going to have to scramble uh, to fill the lineup on a daily level. So I, I would. I wouldn't trade for Trevor Story. To, I wouldn't trade for Trevor Story and to that point, let me add if in if I had him and somebody really wanted him, I probably would trade him away and um if if the return was if the return was good, if the return was like for a 260 25 and 5 guy, which is, you know, what a good Javier Baez return would look like, it's uh it's a really good outcome. And it's probably going to be more like a top five, top six shortstop, maybe even higher than that. If someone pays me for that, I'll I'll take the return. But if someone pays me for, you know, a flyer shot in the dark, you just picked up off the wire, which I think is is most likely what people are, are trying to do is convince the guy that he's just hot. And you should give them to me, you know, because I'm offering you a real player. Yeah, and but
0: it, 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 it's it's 2016 in fantasy baseball. You're not going to get away with that. I'll give you some names here in a second, but but I want to hit on a point that you mentioned because you said you wouldn't trade for him. I also wouldn't do what somebody on Twitter asked me if they should. He didn't say he did it. He was asking for my opinion. And I said, do not do that, which is I got Trevor Story late to back up my Carlos Correa. Should I go flip Correa because I have Story? No. No, you should not. No, no, I know no, you no. could get a mint for him. Maybe if you've got some early injuries or something and you need to fill multiple uh, spots, okay, maybe, 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 maybe that. That's the only scenario where I'd even start to open that, that conversation up. But if you're just saying it because story's on fire, Correa's on fire, and you're flushed with shortstops, hold the phone a minute. Don't do that. So I, I would say I would not do that at all. Now let's talk about some names here. Now, I'm not going to go with shortstops because you're not going to really do a shortstop for shortstop deal. So I'm actually going to go over to pitchers because I think it might be a situation where you would trade the hitting for pitching here. I'm going to give you some names. You let me know if they're too high, too low, if you do them or not. I'm going to start maybe a little lowish for some, but this is a quality, worthwhile mid-tier pitcher. What about Colin McHugh for the Astros? Would you trade him one for one for Trevor Story? Or would you trade Trevor Story one for one to get Colin McHugh?
1: Hmm. Not me personally, because I feel like I could find the next Colin McHugh. Okay, it's just not it's not enough. What about Shelby
0: Miller off uh, one of one of his victims? Still coming off of him. No,
1: actually, that one is interesting to me because I would feel more like I'm buying low on a number two. Exactly, Colin McHugh to me is a three four. And that's just uh, not enough juice. But uh, you know, buying low on a two, with uh, with an asset that I think might might go down in value in the future, that's interesting. I might ask for an improvement in another situation, um, just because of how hot of how hot uh, Trevor Story is. But not uh, not enough to scuttle it. You know, just okay. try to just try to say, well, why don't you turn my you know Jason Grilly into, uh, or you know my Eratos Viscano into. Um, I don't know. Sean
0: Doolittle, Jake McGee, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Okay. Well, yeah, although but, Jake McGee might be the worst pitcher ever, he gave up a home run to Nick Ahmed today, and I don't, I don't fully understand. I can't grasp in my brain how that happens. But uh, Nick
1: Ahmed better not be good this year because we never have
0: to we we lit him up, man. <laughs> we lit him up. Let me let me give you a couple outfielders here and see see where you are in the range of uh, of Trevor Story. Then we'll move on. What about your boy Jorge Soler? Just a one in a keeper one.
1: league, I might uh, I'd have to think about it, but in a in, in a redraft, I would take it in a second. I, I would I would keep story. Okay. I would, okay. I would, I would rather that story than Solaire because Solaire the playing time is just an it,
0: issue. It's just really tough right now. What about another young guy? Also, and then in the
1: keeper league, you you can actually think about story after Reyes, right? Yeah, that's so true. He gets more actually, value in the
0: keeper league as well.
1: So I might actually not take that deal on either of them.
0: Well, then what about uh, what about guy a little bit closer to your heart, Michael Conforto on your mats?
1: I would take Michael Comporto.
0: In a redraft and a keeper? I assume, yes, keeper, but redraft as well?
1: Yeah, I think so. I really like his approach. He's just going to be a solid, high average, high OBP, even if he only settles in at 18 to 20 homers. Yep. I think he's going to be like a Matt Holiday type. I, you know, I know Holiday stole some more bases, but um in terms of homers and nice high batting averages and OBP's, i think he's going to be a, a real solid player you you don't you're only getting him because it's a little bit crowded right now but i don't you know watching Yoan sespedes in the field and you know knowing that if he's good with the bat he's going to be out of there and if he's not good with the bat i think the team is going to try and figure something out um you know trade with trade wise or or sit someone more often than they are right now. So I, I don't think that what's happening right now in New York is super tenable, actually. And uh, and so I, I think Conforto is the one to bet on, really, in that whole outfield.
0: Okay, so I, I like that one. I'll give you one more, and he was lo- he was lower drafted, so some of you might think I'm going, I don't know, I'm just going to say the name. Denard Span. He, he, he was even lower on the list than Conforto and right above. He's actually in between the, the two guys that I mentioned here. What about Span giving you back one for one for for story, or do you want more there?
1: No, nope. I'm gonna keep story.
0: Okay, okay. I so we got some guys
1: off the hip injury with a veteran team like that. Yep. Span strikes me as a, you know, he's may have some volume credit to you know to him, but maybe not. You know, if the, if the the hip flares up or whatever, and they have enough guys that they can sit him a lot. So uh, I think I, I see span as you know, 500, 550 plate appearances, you know, 10 to 15 stolen bases, you know, 5 to 10 homers. It's Not just special. Not that special. Just, no. just,
0: just kind of alright. Okay, let's move on to the next guy. I did
1: that without looking at his page. I hope I don't look like an idiot now. But...
0: No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you'll look like an idiot. I mean, not for that reason. We got plenty of other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, one more hitter, and then we'll get one pitcher here, and then we'll talk a little bit at large on on approaches with hot starters. Steven Souza Jr. You mentioned the Kevin Pilar almost went Jose Canseco. It was on Souza's home run, I believe his third of the year already. Now, this was a guy, I mentioned this a lot, and I'm sure some of you think I whine about it. Maybe I do, but I, I feel like I'm a year early on guys often. It, it happens a lot. I buy in. Maybe too quickly or, or expect things to happen too quickly and I understand that I just want to I want to be in on the ground floor Souza was a guy I did like last year as a power speed combo thought he could do some things and it, it didn't really come around I mean he was a power speed guy But uh, the batting average was so freaking brutal that his 16 bombs and 12 stolen bases weren't even worth that much when you're talking about 40 ribbies 59 runs and a two twenty five average. It was just tough. And he only played 110 games. So I'll give him a little bit of a break on that. I I didn't end up getting him as much this year because I had power speed guys in his range that I liked as much or more. So I'm actually not invested in him. So of course he's off to, to a hot start with uh with three bombs. But what do you what do you think of Steven Seuss Jr. out in Tampa Bay?
1: He's whiffed on more than a quarter of the times he's swung. No. He's whiffed on more than a quarter of the pitches he's seen. What? Yeah, that's it's insane. crazy. Even today, he didn't strike out, and his strikeout rate's above one one and three. Yeah, now he went know, four for four it's, today. It's fifteen. It's fifteen plate appearances. So yep. he struck out five times. Still, five strikeouts and fifteen plate appearances is a lot. <laughs> it's a heck
0: of a lot, and that's that's it's the thing lot. with him is that he doesn't make it's contact.
1: Not that far from his projections, though.
0: <laughs> he puts uh, he puts Story to shame, to be honest.
1: And I don't think that he has the, the story-esque upside because his his home park suppresses offense. He uh, has sh- has played in the major leagues more and shown a lower ISO. So, in, a, in effect, story is a better option because he's got a higher upside, higher, you know, more question marks around him. That, in this case, it's almost a good thing because Salza played 426 plate appearances. Or Sousa, Sousa, sorry, someone yelled at me on Twitter. <laughs> Suzaphone, yeah, that's how played, I remember it too. Yeah, Suzaphone played a 426 plate appearances. That's real data that we've got, and you know, 33.8% strikeout rate. That's real bad. It doesn't come with plus plus BABIP to, to make it all you know more palatable. OBP leagues, yes, I'm into it. We should have known as soon as James Loney was cut that this was going to happen. Corey Dickerson is now mostly the DH against righties. It
0: really opened that, up some PT uh, for their yeah. for their log jam there. Yes,
1: and they and I think that they saw that as soon as Logan Morrison could play the field, they said James Loney, uh, the only asset that James Loney gives us is a first baseman who can play the field. Exactly. So it's, I think as soon as they saw that 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 Logan Morrison's knee was healthy enough, they said okay. And I think that Dickerson can play some some first base too. So I think that they they thought. You know, we've got Plan A, we've got Plan B. Both of them are better hitters than James Loney, so let's move on, and 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 that's that's sunk cost. So yeah, the fans got him down for 21 homers, 18 stolen bases. I think the two hundred forty nine batting average that they have for him is a little aggressive. Okay. So I, I would I'd rather have I'd rather uh, value him as a two hundred thirty five hitter with a three twenty OBP, uh, and uh, you know, like 30 to 35 homers plus stolen bases, pretty good. Absolutely. Uh, no, pretty good, especially in OVP leagues. In in like a 12-team mixer with like three OFs? No. With five OFs? Uh, no, let me see if he's got... He is a righty. It's hard to, to use righties like that, you know, because there's not that many lefties in the game. So you'd have to... I think in a 12-team with five OFs, you'd want him to be on your bench, and you slot them in against lefties, which... You know, what is that 200 play appearances going to do for you? 200, 200 300 play appearances going to do for you.
0: By the way, I tweeted, uh, Jeff Erickson from RotoWire was asking, you know, what's, what's a realistic trade you'd do for a story? And I put Shelby Miller, he asked if I was using the sarcasm font. And then Jake Seeley said, if not sarcasm, unfollow. You know what? Haters, get out of here. Uh-huh. The unfollow button's right over so, there. But
1: well, wait, what's, this, this is funny because.
0: No, they're hating on Miller.
1: Oh, <laughs> no! no they,
0: they think I'm crazy. They think I'm crazy for that. And that's,
1: oh, you know, that's all right. It, that's, that's it's insane.
0: been I mean, four pitchers, days. Everyone
1: has their own opinion on pitchers. So that's, that's, I mean, pitchers, I think are the hardest things.
0: <laughs> Completely agree. Completely agree. And we hammer that point home a lot. In fact, let's get to a pitcher who could have some diverging opinions maybe on this show, uh, but definitely in, in in the fantasy baseball community at large. Aaron Sanchez had a hell of a first outing yesterday. It was really, really impressive. And I'll tell you the one number that jumps out above all of it, the zero under the BB column. No walks for Aaron Sanchez in his seven-inning gem, five hits, one run. It was earned. Um, It was a Dickerson home run. It was Dickerson's second home run, a bomb shot, if I recall correctly, and eight strikeouts. Heck heck of an outing here. This is a guy who could, again, I said he he was a linchpin for – Uh, The angels if they were really going to kind of outdo their projections and do some things this year because they're not a great team I think i think toronto is a good team But they need a pitcher to really step up and and give them that second punch behind stroman and sanchez Can definitely be that guy who can who can be the game changer who can really turn their season If he is going to be a stud, what'd you think of aaron sanchez last night?
1: You know, I wrote a piece for ESPN about this and there was three the three main components to hating on Sanchez one is durability you know the fact that he's only maxed out 130 innings before and he's had problems with walk rates and um, and uh, you know people have questioned his durability as a, as a starter so that's that's a legit concern second is command uh, that's related to uh, the durability, of course, because more pitches means uh, getting out of the game earlier. Mm-hmm. And the third is the change-up. But in all three facets, I see a different guy in a way. Uh, he added 20 pounds of muscle to work on durability. And he says that helps him keep his release point better. Jeff Sullivan showed that he kept his release point well. It helps him keep his velocity later in the game. He was 96 all game. And so that's I think that's a good real solid point to that uh command highest strike rate of his career related to the twenty pounds of muscle he says it helps him keep his release point better helps oh, wow. him you know helps him stay you know stay in his delivery better uh Gideon Turk, a good follow if you like jays or just baseball he he pointed out that there's a little bit less of a, a hop in his delivery uh, so a little bit simplified delivery, so I'm buying the 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 added command a little bit and then the change the change is obviously going to be his worst pitch but in terms of how often he he trusted it yesterday uh second most change-ups ever thrown in a game
0: oh wow
1: he threw 15 change-ups that's a good number if he can throw 10 to 15 change-ups if he keeps doing that that means he trusts that pitch and if you just look at the the overall movement of it, especially if he pairs it with this four seam, but even with paired with a sinker, it still has about an inch more fade and th- like two to three inches more drop than a sinker. So, and, and even though it goes ninety, you know, we've learned over the last couple of years that that doesn't mean can be it's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, we just saw a ninety-five mile an hour slider from from Thor. So, you know, ninety mile an hour with him means six. Six miles an hour difference, six to seven miles an hour difference off his fastball, which is not great, but it's only slightly below average rather than putrid. So, and with good movement, I think it's a good pitch. Uh, for his career, 20% whiffs, one in five. That's uh, above average. It's really nice, actually. It's on 114 changeups, which isn't great. But then yesterday, you know, uh, even yesterday, uh, he got uh, he got whiffs twenty seven percent whiffs on fifteen I don't I can't do that math but anyway he got <laughs> what was the, what four were the numbers twenty seven percent whiffs on fifteen so we got like four whiffs um yeah, so,
0: people are laughing at us I'm sure yeah four exactly you're you're, you're a mathematical genius hey
1: four whiffs that's good absolutely that's absolutely good. By, people, by the way that
0: that's, that's real. let's stress that point sounds low you're like wait what you know what no no that that that's a good number
1: that's a and good for number them, that, that's probably like three strikeouts because those are lefties. He probably got them, you know, to a good two strike count. And then through that change, you know, or he got to three strikes using that change with that whiff. So, you know, that's, that's big. Those are, those are really big. Cause the curve is, is, is fine against lefties. And, you know, it's not that he has a big slider. He didn't get any whiffs from the curve against lefties, but every single ball in play uh, from, uh, from the curve was a ground ball.
0: And he got, eight ground balls uh, to four fly balls yesterday, eight strikeouts. And so it's
1: going to be that kind of guy. Cause he's, he's got that, that really nice sinker. Mm-hmm. It's a good place to start. Nice place to start. So I mean, the stuff's uh,
0: been there like that's yeah. never really been in question. It's a matter of if he can yeah, command all,
1: it. All four whiffs, all four whiffs were uh, from lefties.
0: Okay. On that changeup for Aaron Sanchez. So you know,
1: as it matures, I think he'll throw some changeups to righties because as Paul Canerco pointed out to me on the phone the other day. He says, "Why, why ever limit the number of pitches a guy could see? Don't let them eliminate any pitch in your repertoire. Yeah, don't throw let everything.
0: them x something out, saying he he can't throw this every, to me.
1: So did never, just throw any, everything in every count. And that's something I think that led to Zach Greinke' uh, season last year was just throwing the right throwing the changeup to to right-handers more. So, in any case, uh, I think that's that's where growth comes in as he gets more comfortable with it. Uh, but I see four pitch mix, decent. Maybe he'll walk more guys in the future. That's that's something that the, the projections say he'll do. Sure,
0: and but. and you understand where those projections come from because as a starter, Sanchez had trouble walking guys. But I think too often with these young guys, we pin them to the numbers that we've seen, and I you know I understand why it's it's what you see and and it kind of sticks in your mind. But four point, uh, 4.3 walks, five point nine strikeouts last year is not at all indicative of the talent that he has so if he does have a big year where he strikes out eight plus and walks you know let's say let's say 2.75 which is you know not not elite but certainly not awful and if you're walking or if you're striking out eight plus that's going to come off as a big surprise to folks but he's 23 oh, and years old be,
1: that's going to win some leagues man exactly
0: that would be and huge.
1: that's why he has to be off your waiver wire you have to consider, especially in a Sabre league where they're just looking at those projections, you have to consider acquiring him.
0: I, I, I completely because agree here because this is the kind of lottery ticket
1: not gonna, this is a, Yeah, this is a completely new guy. Yep. I mean, there's no... There, like I said, second most change-ups in a start ever. 20 extra pounds of muscle. I mean, this is this is a different guy. So I, the, I, I'll look at the fans. And you know that the guy you're trading with will also look at the fans. And I would say that the fans number doesn't even represent his upside and they, like you they, said they
0: got him for a 343 and a 131 whip
1: and you know the reason the whip is high and the era is low is because he's going to have a 55 to 60 percent ground ball rate
0: precisely uh, so he gets some know, extra hits that might skitter through yeah
1: but i like uh, that goings too low singles types
0: that double yeah. play combo Goins and Tulo. i know travis devon Tra- devon travis will get back in when he's healthy But uh, Goins is a hell of a fielder, and so is Tulo still. I know that his reputation is in the tank right now because he wasn't a superstar last year. But Troy Tulewitzki is still an amazing baseball player on both sides of the ball who can really help a team. And I think Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman are two guys who are really going to benefit from that infield defense. To say nothing of of Josh Donaldson, who, by the way, I got to circle back. I forgot to mention that does have a strained cap. It's day to day. The reason I didn't put it on the injury list initially is because I was only looking at DL moves and it just happened today. He left in the seventh inning. I just wanted to get that in. We're not making any panic on it at all right now because there's nothing to go off of. So back to Sanchez, you mentioned he's got to get off of every wire that he's on. He's widely available in ESPN still. Same with Yahoo. Even even um, a third available at CBS. He's only sixty-eight percent owned there, so he's available. Aaron Sanchez is. What are we spending out of uh, out of our Fab budget? What percentage are we looking at? Let's call it a twelve-team mix. Let's say down the middle here. You know, I know some people play ten, some people play fifteen. Let's try to cast. Well, I try. I try to cheap out.
1: I try to cheap out a lot on 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 starting staffs. So I'm 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 looking for this kind of breakout to carry my staff.
0: You mean in your draft? Yeah. Okay.
1: I cheap out a lot in my draft. So I'm looking for starting pitchers like this. I'm looking for this kind of you know golden ticket where I pick up a guy like this, get a number two out of it, and uh, and and didn't spend much. So I actually in my league that was most stars and scrubbiest, where my 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 back end starting pitching was the worst. I went and got Sanchez before the start okay. because you know I'd been doing some research on him and just thought you know this is this is this could be a really good start. So I I don't have a good comparison in in those leagues, but I would say that 10% seems fine. I would go to 10%. You know, it's the kind of thing where it's like finding a closer now. It's, you know, if it works out, it's going to be a game changer. You know, I would
0: go a little bit higher, you know, I think I, I think I really would here. I think it's a situation where if you need pitching and, you know, obviously everyone knows their league better than, than we do. We're trying to give general info here. I might push it up to twenty percent. I might, you know, if we're talking about a hundred dollar budget, I might be in that seventeen to twenty percent, which is obviously seventeen to twenty bucks. I, I might go for it here, and this is something I'm trying to work on in season. My management, I'm trying to be a bit more aggressive and just a better in season manager. I think sometimes and
1: it, it does make sense to be more aggressive early in the season
0: because you can because get you're the gonna full
1: gonna get season. A, be a full season of Aaron Sanchez, which is also important because. You know, it may only be 150, 160 that innings. That was my next
0: point, was that he will have an innings had to limit.
1: Head-to-head, lower number. Head-to-head, you're talking about... Uh, 6 to 11%.
0: Agreed. Agreed. you got to go lower there because you're going to lose him.
1: Gonna be a rental. He's going to be a rental for you. Yeah.
0: He won't be there for the playoffs on Aaron Sanchez. So I, I agree. I bring that down. Again, for me, I'm still a little bit higher, but it's closer to um, 10 to 13%. So 10 to 13 bucks on a $100 budget. But either way, we both like Aaron Sanchez. We're going to keep uh, circling back to him for these first few starts just to kind of see the progress. I'll be asking you about the changeup counts if it still looks like a good pitch because there's going to be a clunker start within like his first five, probably that's going to have all the naysayers with an, I told you so. And so we'll have to put those fools in check. If it's four good starts and one bad, you don't get to say you were right for the one bad that does that. That (laughs) that isn't how it works here, folks. Uh, All right. You know, let's finish up, talk a little bit more generally here. We've been talking specific players and, and, and sort of what we might trade for, what kind of dollars we throw on them. But this is the part of the season that again, has been really tough for me, or at least it's, a, it's a, an area of opportunity, I would say, for me, where I can get better. I can be more aggressive. I'm a patient guy when it comes to my baseball teams. I like to see my picks try to pan out, and I'll give them some some runway to do that. But I know that in certain league types, particularly these smaller ones, 10-teamers, 10 10, 12-teamers, where you need more star power, I guarantee I'm missing out in certain spots. So I need to be a little bit more aggressive here. Let's talk generally. Let's start first with the, with the hot starters who are on your team. And we're talking these late round guys, the stories, the Sanchez's and the Sousa's, not the Robinson Canoes. How do you deal with those guys when they're on your team? Are you instantly looking to sell them? Are you letting offers come to you or are you just fist pumping? Say, yeah, this is why I drafted him. I'm so freaking smart. How do you address early standouts from the late rounds who are on your ball club?
1: Yeah, you know, for the most part, I just hold on to it. And, and, I think, you know, I, I, I'm tempted to say it's just because of the type of leagues I'm in, but I think that most of our listeners are in these kind of leagues where everyone is suspicious. You know, everyone is suspicious of a hot start, and they all want to turn Trevor Story into um, Carlos Correa, you yeah. know, or, let me, you know. Let
0: me just go out and get Justin Upton for him. You know Justin Upton's had a exactly, few strikeouts. Exactly,
1: exactly. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, in terms of... Um, in terms of hot starts on my team, most of the time I just hold on to them and, and, and try to bank what I got, especially if they're at a position of need. So, you know, if I have I have Trevor Story on a couple of my teams this year, and most for the most part, the reason I had Trevor Story is because I didn't have a shortstop I liked, mm-hmm. and so if I drafted Trevor Story and Estrubal Cabrera or something, and had that double. Maybe I'll drop a Struble Cabrera and, and go a story, or maybe I'll even keep a Struble Cabrera because I know that you know the bomb can fall out, and there's going to be games in, in pitchers' parks and in AT and where he's going to give you three strikeouts and, and nothing else. So, uh, you know, for the most part, I bank. That's what I do for the most part. If it if it comes, and sometimes I will do this where I draft a guy in a surplus position, where I just say, you know what, this is my bench spot. I'm going to get a lot of ticket on here. I did that with Jorge Soler a couple times last year. It didn't work out, but if Jorge Soler had worked out, I would have been tempted because I believed in Jorge Soler to pull that Carlos Correa deal mm-hmm. that you're talking about. So, you know, whatever we're yapping on about here, if you believe totally in Trevor Story, you could you can try that Carlos Correa deal. I mean, that, that's if you if you believe it. I see risk. I see Trevor Story. I see risk. I see you know batting average risk. I see strikeout risk. I see Jose Reyes risk. So I, I don't see enough there uh, where I'm like, oh. But if Ozuna had – like if Marcel Ozuna had five home runs right now, you know, yeah, uh, I would have said, well, yeah.
0: We told you. I thought you. he
1: would break out, you know. <laughs> yep. And, and they changed the walls. And so now I'm going to go and trade – uh, I don't know if I'd go as far as Justin Upton, but maybe my second outfielder was Michael Brantley. Or, but if you uh, get you know,
0: if you got if you like, oh, I'll move Upton for Ozuna plus, and and I think you're making a great point here because we all have our own guys, and and for some folks out there, Story's definitely their guy. Maybe it is Erickson and Celi, and that's why they laughed when I said Shelby Miller. But I also like Shelby Miller, so in that same vein, he's kind of like one of my guys. So you have a different perception that if you're going to believe in it. I can understand it. So that's why we're obviously speaking generally here. We cannot, right. you know, guarantee that everything's gonna work out in your league. But I think
1: the position of need is still important, <clears throat> you know, to what you do with it, you know. Because if you believe in the guy and it's at a position of need, then then just go with it, you know. But if you believe in the guy and it's a position of surplus, it is okay to go wrong up and say, All right, well, I'm now going to trade when a you know mm-hmm. i think that would that would be great like if i had marcelo Zuna on a team and he had four home runs right now and i was watching yunis espespetes boot the ball around in center field uh yeah i'd be i'd be out there looking what yunis espespetes could do for me on the infield or as a starting pitcher you know in terms of return by the way, so I I think it's okay to look a rung up and and come up with something.
0: As I asked, you know, uh, my first example was Colin McHugh. He's getting blasted in Yankee Stadium right now. <laughs> so that, that was before he was getting blasted. Y'all, come on,
1: Let's give me a break.
0: Uh, yeah, what do we got going here? We got a McCann double for two runs to share a base knock for a third run. So he's given up three runs, two earned, two walks, two hits. Not a great start, but at least Carlos Correa has a bomb off of Michael Pineda. And so we got baseball everywhere. Let's move on. We got two more categories here. Guys who are on other teams. So these now going out and trading for these guys. I think we kind of covered that when you're saying if it's one of your guys that you believe in, if you were a Steven Souza honk coming in and you're saying, you know what? It was a tough year last year, but I think you can cut down some of the strikeouts and, and stay healthy, which is probably the bigger key than even the strikeouts. And you want to go out and buy him. I'm gonna understand it a little bit more. I get it because you're gonna buy,
1: yeah buying high works sometimes because the other guy is thinking he's selling high.
0: Bingo. You know. And so you're gonna have certain situations where you feel where you feel okay with it. So I know that that's a little bit vague and more of a case by case. But I just I'm not gonna sit here and tell you don't go buy high on anyone because there are times when it's not necessarily buying high. You're just buying a guy that is emerging. Remember how how many thousands of times. Everybody in the fantasy baseball industry last year said, Carlos Correa is going to come back down to earth. Francisco Lindor is going to come back down to earth. And maybe the season just ran out on him before they could. But at any point, if you had bought them for your quote unquote established guys, you'd have done damn well. And I know like, I'm a
1: Carlos. I'm a Carlos Correa guy. I don't think. It, it, to me, it's like him and Trout in keeper leagues in terms of assets. And Harper. Yeah, and Harper. I, I, there's almost no price that's too much.
0: I think yeah. that that's completely fair. I've, you know,
1: I, I'll give you Miggy, Jose Fernandez, and Lucas Giolito <laughs> for Carlos of Korea.
0: You're like, okay,
1: cool. You know, I would do that deal in a second. Cool. I'll do that. Here, okay. Take my Miggy.
0: Yeah, t- take, <laughs> take my Miggy and, and run. Uh, no, he's definitely at that level, and obviously these guys aren't necessarily, and we don't know if they're going to evolve into into superstars, but you got to be kind of smart about it and, um, you know, The best you can
1: do in the off season, really, because then people calm down about stuff (laughs) right now. Nobody is calm.
0: (laughs) And that's why it's probably tough to even go out and get any of these guys, because even somebody who wants to sell high on story, they really want to sell high. They want they want to smash the deal, even though if you get anybody who was like a what, between like the 10th and 13th round pick, that'd be a big win compared to what you paid for Trevor Story, but that's not going to be good enough for some folks. They want a single-digit round, five-round guy, and that's just going to be too crazy. So on a lot of these guys, maybe you just have to step off the brakes for another week just until they they come back down to earth, and then you can still go trade for them. It would still be buying high, even if Trevor Story doesn't hit another homer until tax day, uh, April 15th, he would still be having a great start to the season, I guess unless he strikes out every single day until then. But you get my point. Maybe let it cool down even if you believe in a guy just because you could get taxed pretty heavily in a lot of situations. All right, last bit here is uh, the guys that are on the wire. And I, I guess we kind of already talked about this too with, with particulars in terms of budget. But uh, you say that you're, you try to skimp. You're you're a little bit more cautious on the wire with the hot starters, so maybe you didn't end up with the J.D. Martinez when he got off to a hot start or Jose Bautista several years back when he got going. Is it just because you want to trust the guys that you have so you're not even looking to make that many moves? Or, or why do you feel that you are you don't go as aggressive? Do you want to save that money too much? Uh, or not even too much. I just say
1: – you. Well, I am pretty aggressive on the pitching okay, side. Okay, it's more the hitting I, 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 side. Yeah, it's more the hitting side because hitting uh, hitters play to their projections better, and we we've figured quote unquote figured more sure. out when it comes to hitters. So, so you're not you know, seeing a guy like, for example, right now I'm looking at a bench. Uh, you know, I did pick up Kevin Pillar because he was going to lead off, mm-hmm. and you know I don't know who I dropped, but you know now if I want to pick up a, a hot hitter, I have to drop Kevin Pillar, Stephen Piscotty or Cole Calhoun, Ben Zobris in this twelve team oh, league. It's just any of those. Yeah, like who I I often and I keep short benches for bats, Same. right? So there's only two I only mm-hmm. usually have two bench bats. So those guys are 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 usually good. You know, the the deeper the league gets the more likely the guy's already gone anyway. Exactly. You know, because the, all these sleepers were drafted. We play we play so. a lot of
0: deep leagues too, so that's another thing that maybe um, influences what we're talking about here. Why we don't end up getting the guys because there just aren't that many. You know, I play a lot of fifteen team mixed leagues, and there's still plenty of stuff on the wire. There's 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 decent players on the wire that you can replace if you if you get hurt but there's not so many standouts. There's not so many uh, like like in a t- 10 or 12 and obviously I'm I'm stating the obvious there, but it it changes the dynamics a lot more. You don't necessarily have to go put in a bunch of $35, $40 bids because there is no Trevor Story who's just ripping it up at at a position like shortstop. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's going to get that's going to go ahead and wrap us up here uh f-
1: and there's just too many guys who have like you know Tuffy Rhodes situations. Like
0: that's a great name by know, the Tuffy way. Rhodes
1: Tuffy hit Rhodes hit three home runs
0: on, opening, on day. opening
1: day. Chris Shelton, I didn't pick him up. Hit, I didn't pick him up once, and then Tuffy Rhodes ends up in Japan like that year or next yeah, year. Cr-
0: Chris Shelton uh, for the Tigers. I want to say he hit like seven in an April, and it's like oh my God, this guy's out of his mind. You know he's he's the hot big thing, and I think he hit 18 the entire year. And, and yeah, and,
1: now he's banging around in quad yeah. A. So
0: you you really do have to be careful. There's going to be some of these guys. There's going to be a, a, a large percentage of them too, not just one or two here and there, that are off to these amazing. It was ten home runs by the way for Chris Shelton, and he ended up hitting sixteen for the for the.
1: They only had six yep. more. <laughs> it was
0: 10 in April, and he hit six the rest of the way. There's going to be some of these guys who are just going to be so great to start, and it's going to go like things have changed, and instead, it's just their best month. And if the month had happened in June or August, we would have noticed because we notice everything now in today's information age, but it wouldn't have sparked as much. And I understand why we have to go out and try to get these guys, because like we said earlier with like a Sanchez, it, you can get five and a half or, you know, five and three quarters of a month worth of their numbers. And that's why you take the gamble. But it's still a gamble. It's still a gamble even on somebody like story who feels a little bit more solid because he's, he was a prospect and he does have Coors kind of giving him a certain floor. Um, Souza was a prospect. Sanchez was probably the biggest prospect of the three. It's still a gamble, even when it doesn't feel like it is because you saw something so great. So, you know, you got to balance the aggression with being smart. Yeah, All right, you know, we're going to get out of here. We're done for the week. Uh, Jason and I will be back on Sunday. Until then, take care and keep dropping Bob, Bob Ori, uh, Big Shot, Bob, game winners. Take care, you know.
1: It's also funny because I I kind of look like sideshow Bobs. So. Somebody
0: said that the other day when I asked if there was a rake emoji, <laughs> they put the uh, they put the gif of him walking into the rake where he keeps smashing him in the face, and they said somebody needs to tell Eno to quit walking on rakes. And you do look like
1: him. Sideshow side Big Shot. You know, Bob.
0: Uh, I, I know I, we've said goodbye now five times, but um. Jared Saltamacchia cut his hair. You don't look like him anymore.
1: Oh, he got, and, and as Drupal Cabrera did too, man. You know
0: who was going to was was his teammate Jacob deGrom, and he decided not to. So,
1: yeah, and, and Thor's hair is even longer. Thor, so.
0: man. We didn't really get but to I him, know. probably because he was already a stud and it's not really like a breakout, but oh get? my God, how sexy was that outing yesterday.
1: I wish I'd pushed his ranking up a little higher. I mean, I still had him like 14 or 15, but... <laughs>
0: 93 First mile team. an hour slider. Get the hell out of here, man. Unbelievable. Might,
1: might, might be a top three
0: pitcher this year. There is a chance that he does something just unbelievably special, and my ranking of 20 might look stupid by the end of the year. But anyway, okay, we got to go. I got to <laughs> eat some dinner. I'll talk to you next Monday.
1: All right. All right.